Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Awesome, awesome. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Luke chapter 4. I probably am going to break this into a little bit of a series this morning, but I want to start um, taking a look at a season of suddenlies. I really believe that as the body of Christ and, and our church, we are, we, are in a, we are in and approaching a season of suddenlies that comes from a place of prayer. When you begin to pray and you begin to set yourself apart to hear from the Lord and to have His presence affect your life, His Word affect your life, He begins to prepare you and, and begins to work suddenly moments in your life. How many of you want a suddenly moment from God? And uh, suddenly, I wrote down the definition to this, is immediate, swiftly, without notice, out of the blue, and promptly. You know, when God does suddenly things in our lives, a lot of times He tells us, He gives us forewarnings to say, I'm going to do such and such in your life. I'm going to do a suddenly in your life. He kind of gives us a heads up. And then when it happens, it's like, whoa, did you see that? Wow, can you believe God just did that in my life? You know, and it it takes us by surprise. And often it's it's the very thing God's been telling us all along is going to happen. Amen? And so I would encourage you to get into a place of prayer. If you're not already, you need to have a daily time of prayer in the presence of the Lord, not just bringing your, your uh, although God tells us to bring our needs before Him, but really, I would encourage you in your time of prayer, set aside time to just be intimate with the Lord, just spend time with Jesus, just hear His voice. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago, Jesus does not shout His secrets. He wants you in the secret place, in the place of intimacy, to begin to share with you those intimate details of your life and the things that he wants to accomplish in and through your life. So in Scripture, we find a couple of, uh, actually we find a lot of suddenly moments, and I want to take a look at some of those things. But uh, just thinking back this past couple of weeks of suddenlies, I would say that the occurrence at the hospital was a suddenly moment. You know, we have those times where we're enjoying Jesus. It's, there's nothing, it's, it was nothing unusual. We were just having family time together in Cleveland Clinic. You know, who, if you need family time, just go to the Cleveland Clinic and you can sit upstairs in the surgery wing and have family time. And, uh, you know, you just have those moments with God where he takes you by surprise. We weren't, we weren't doing anything special. We were enjoying fellowship. We were enjoying uh, God together. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, how many of you catch yourself saying those things? All of a sudden, those ladies come up and it became a God moment. And that just in that one moment, they were able to share the hope that they have. Isn't that what Peter said? He said we ought to be ready and prepared at any moment to give the reason of our hope. And that's what they were able to do. I thought about that. And then uh, this past week, I had, I had a suddenly, another suddenly moment. We um, got a phone call from someone in the community that's connected to the Nep- Nepalese community. And uh, they said, we want to come, basically, 
the guy said, I have a pastor that is a Nepalese refugee that wants to come and be a part of your church. Can we meet? And uh, I said, oh, yeah, you, you better believe. I've been praying for this, you know. And uh, so we met. I met with this guy who's a missionary to the Nepalese community here in the area. And he's, he begins to share with me about his pastor friend who is a pastor of 100 to 150 refugee, Nepalese, Bhutanese refugees in North Hill. And uh, I looked at him and I said, probably halfway through the conversation, Mandy was there with me as a part of the Hope Center. And uh, halfway through the conversation, I said, I've been praying for this exact thing. I've been praying, God, we need to be able to reach the refugee community that's right out our front door. But let's just face it, I'm a middle-class white guy, and I, ain't, I don't even know how to begin to reach that, that demographic. Let's just be honest. And so um, I said, Lord, you've got to send somebody that can help us. You've got to send somebody that can do this, that can help us, that can co-labor with us. And so I've just left it as a matter of prayer. Well, in walks this guy. I've never met him before in my life, shares the story. And I said, well, it all sounds great, but I need to meet the pastor. I want to know his heart. I want to hear from him. I trust you, but I really want to hear from the pastor. And so the, the pastor and his leadership team and I met uh, the day before Mother's Day, the Saturday, while all the ladies were here having their tea, I was in a meeting with the Nepalese church, and we began to discuss the possibilities of this Nepalese church coming and being a part of our, of our church. They'd be a part of our ministry here at Celebration to the Nepalese refugee community. How awesome, how awesome is that? Now, that's not set in stone. Nothing's set in stone yet. Uh, we're still working out all the details and what that looks like and such. But, but I was caught by surprise. It was an out-of-the-blue moment. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't anticipating that. It's just something I've been praying about, and I knew that it was God's heart for us to connect with that community. I just didn't know how. And uh, so now here's an opportunity. So God wants to take us by surprise, but I would, I would say that those suddenly moments are born out of a place of prayer. We say that we want souls. We say we want revival. We say we want miracles. We say we want growth. But are we willing to pay the price in prayer? Are we willing to intercede and to agonize in prayer? It is in the delivery room of intercession where souls are born. It is at the altar of petition and prayer that personal revival is fanned into flame. It is a lifestyle of abiding in perpetual prayer that one flows in synchronization with the Holy Spirit that enables us to walk in miraculous ministry. Amen. We have to be people of prayer. Why do we find ourselves not to be people of prayer as we ought? The reality is because we're content to live a life without prayer. We have fallen asleep in the garden with Jesus as the disciples did, while Jesus is all the while interceding at the right hand of the Father on our behalf. He turned to his disciples and said, could you not tarry? It's an age-old problem. It's the same problem that we face in our generation today, is that we don't realize the importance of things to come. 
The disciples didn't understand the moments that were about ready to transpire before their very eyes. And when Jesus said, can you pray with me? It was about their hearts and their lives being prepared for the things that were coming. The Father was in complete control of everything that was about ready to take place. There was not one thing that that the Father was not in control of over Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. We can all agree on that. But it was in that time of prayer and intimacy with God that those disciples, Disciples were prepared for the moments that were ahead of them. And I would say to you that we are soon approaching very similar days in our time. where, And we're already seeing the persecution of the believer where believers are being beheaded and killed. And, and the things of scripture are happening around us. They haven't really taken place in America so much, but they're happening around us. And I would say to you and I that we have to be people of prayer, that God would prepare our hearts for the things that are to come. Suddenly moments are on the horizon for you and I, but we must be people of prayer. Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for me. He's waiting and willing to bottle, the Bible says, every tear that you pray. He bottles and he names every tear, that prayer, that intercession for the lost friend or family member. In Revelation chapter 8, I want to give you, I'll read this, I just want to give you a snapshot from Revelation of what your prayers look like. In Revelation chapter 8, when you and I pray, this this is what happens. Revelation shows us what happens and transpires in heaven as you and I pray. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 3, it says, Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of who? Our prayers. Those are our prayers upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. What a picture of the power of our prayer. That when you and I pray, that it ascends as incense before the Father, and it's bottled in a bowl, your prayers are contained in this bowl of incense before God. The question is, how full is your bowl? God is more than willing to to capture your prayers and to mix it with the fire of his response and the fire of his blessing and the fire of his presence. And he's more than willing to return and to bless you and to pour out his presence and his goodness on your life. But how full is your bowl of prayers? Are you spending time with him or are you waiting for someone else to do it for you? Maybe today you find yourself with a willingness to pray, but with a great uncertainty of how you ought to do it. That's good. I have good hope for you from Romans chapter 8. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do what? We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself. 
What does that look like? When you're facing the situation, when you're facing uh, lost family members or friends or difficult things in your life, you begin to yield to the Spirit of God and allow your prayer language, the Holy Spirit, to begin to pray for you and through you. You begin to pray the will of God. And, and that's the word helps. You've probably heard us teach on this multiple times. But the word helps is a compound word in Greek, soon anti-lambanami. And what Paul, Paul is basically making up a word here that says that Jesus or the Holy Spirit comes and helps us. He wrestles with us. It's like a lifeguard watching someone drown out in the ocean. The lifeguard goes running after them and wrestles with them to safety. Likewise, the Holy Spirit and our weakness when we don't know how to pray begins to wrestle with us to we're in a place of safety and provision from God. When you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, it goes on to Give us indication of what it sounds like. As we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, you begin to pray in your heavenly language, you're praying the will of God, you're praying in unutterable, ununderstandable language, the language of heaven. This is why Paul said, I'll pray with the Spirit, pray with the understanding. We talked about that earlier. Um, you don't have to have a degree in prayer to pray. If you feel like that you need more education in prayer, you've missed it. Just begin to pray. Just start where you're at. It's communication with God. It's nothing special other than you having intimate time with the Lord. If you will pray and seek the face of God, you will see a suddenly in your life. In Luke chapter 4, we find one of these suddenly moments. And I probably won't get through all of the suddenlies that I have in my notes this morning, but we'll just take a journey, if you're all right with that. And Luke chapter 4, you know what, let me read this. Um, they don't have this in the media. I pulled this. This is a book called They Told Me Their Stories. It is testimonies from children uh, or, or adults who were children at the Azusa Street Revival at the turn of the century. And so they've recounted to, in this book their stories and their experiences with God. So I just I want to share with you one of the suddenly moments from one of these ladies uh, from Sister Darnall. And for those of you that were at our one conference might remember some of, these, some of this story. As they turned the corner, the little three-year-old could see the dingy white warehouse, talking about uh, the Azusa Street Mission, that people crowded into 24 hours a day. Can you imagine people lining up to get in this church 24 hours a day to encounter the presence of the Lord? Amen. <laughs> it's coming, friend. It's coming. The day's coming where people will line up to get into the house where the presence of God is, where the Word of God. The Bible says that there is coming a famine on the land, not a famine of food and bread, but a famine of the Word of the Lord. And people are going to be running from coast to coast looking for the Word. And, and I don't know about you, but I want to be a house where the Word of God is and the presence of God is. Although she was just over three years old, the journey was a daily affair. And with the evening dampness in the air, she couldn't wait to get inside Azusa Street meeting place. Now a daily tradition, she would take in all the excitement that filled the room, marveling and wondering about all that was happening around her, this little three-year-old girl. Although the child didn't understand why people were shouting and crying, nor the miracles that were taking place, she liked the atmosphere. But what she liked most was that in a few minutes after entering the room, mom would find her seat and she would be able to crawl under the pew to get comfortable and take a nap. 
Anybody ever do that in church? They're not adults. I'm talking, well, maybe, maybe adults do, but I'm talking about the little kids, raising your kids in church. This toddler had also become comfortable with the thick mist that filled the room. Being in a playful mood when she woke up from her nap, she would try to gather the mist into her arms. She loved the cloud that filled the Azusa Street warehouse for almost three and one-half years during what is now historically called the Azusa Street Revival. It would be a few years before she was old enough to understand that she was trying to capture the Shekinah glory of God. As a mere child, she literally breathed in the Shekinah glory into her young, developing lungs. She experienced Azusa through the eyes and mind of a young toddler. Although her mind could not comprehend all that was going on around her, she knew she was in a very special place among some very special people at a very special time. Talk about suddenlies, friends. I'm talking about the suddenlies of God. I'm going to get to my scripture in a moment, but reading that reminded me of a personals time we were doing a young adults retreat I don't even know where we were at we were in Florida somewhere we were doing a young adults retreat we were in a hotel doing a young adults retreat we had gone through the whole weekend we'd had different ones preach and and I was doing the last service and we were just we were worshiping there was just a sweet presence of the Lord in the room and I felt the Lord tell me, and I've never done this before, and you know, like, like this morning, I'm always willing to step out of the box if it's God. And uh, I've never done this before. I've not done it since. But I felt like God said to, to take a, one of the cables. We had a bunch of loose cables. Take a cable and just make a little circle on the floor. And, and I want you to, to call the young adults into a deeper relationship with me. Call them and to make that step. As they're stepping into this little box, they're making a decided decision that they're, uh, they're going to go deeper. They're going to go, they're going to come closer. They're going to let their roots go down deeper. It was, a, it, was a, it was an illustration of what was happening spiritually. And um, so I'm like, okay, that's weird, but okay. <laughs> Never done that before, but we'll do that. So I put out the, the wire, and, you know, our worship team's looking at me like, what are you doing? This is different. But it was one of those things that became a suddenly moment with God. As we did that, one of our leaders who was at the keyboard at the time said, I was standing by him and said, Pastor Zach. Do you smell that? And I was like, what are you talking about? We you know we're worshiping. He said, smell that. And I just took a deep breath, like, what's what's going on? And you could begin to smell this aroma begin to enter the room. It was very distinct. I thought, okay, somebody's probably put on some hand lotion, they've done some sanitizing, something, you know. So I'm everybody's worshiping. So I think I'm gonna walk around, I'm gonna prove whether this is God or not. So I start walking around the room checking out who's got the lotion out. And I start smelling people. <laughs> nope, definitely not you. <laughs> I, and I'm telling you, this is the honest to goodness truth. And I'm trying to figure out where this smell's coming from. And I can't smell it anywhere in the building, but right where this circle's at, right up front. I thought, okay, something's happening, but I'm not sure what. So I'll just watch. I'll just observe. I'm, I'm probably, when it comes to things of the Spirit, I love God. I love God moving, but I want to know that it's God. I want to know that it's, I want to know it's scriptural. I want to know that it's God. So I'm going to make sure that it lines up. So I thought, okay, we'll see how this goes. Well, one of the other leaders says, I smell something. He's standing up near the front, and I smell something to me. I'm like, okay, so I'm not the only one, and he's not the only one. So I said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. I gave the direction. We're going to step in. And all, all the young adults come and stand around the circle, and all of them simultaneously say, 
do you smell that smell? And it wasn't about the smell, but it was about the presence of the Lord that was circulating in that one little area. To, it was a suddenly moment with God, and it smelled like roses and gardenia. It was the most unique blend of, of fragrance, and it was just in that one little circle. And I said, if you're ready to take a step and go closer with God, you're going to go deeper with God. You're not going to go back the same way that you came. I want you to make the step into the circle. Not one of the persons that stepped in that circle stood standing for about half a second. Everybody hit the dust. It was like the glory of God was radiating in that place. It was very unique. And uh, one of our leaders said, researched it afterwards and said that gardenia and roses was the fragrance that the, that the uh, brides would use to prepare themselves for a wedding day in Scripture. And I thought, how... how Great, how awesome of God to manifest his presence in such a unique way. And, and it was a moment in time that none of us, anybody that was there, would forget that moment because it was so unique, so special. It was a suddenly, suddenly moment with God. Amen. Luke describes one of these suddenly moments with Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he had just been baptized in water. He's come up out of the water. He's received the fullness of the Spirit. He's been baptized in the Holy Spirit, in, in essence, is what we're seeing here, is what's being pictured. And he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Now, I just want to pause here, because many of us, if we were in this situation, we would think, okay, God, you have messed it up. Suddenly moments with you are not me going out into the wilderness to be tempted and to face turmoil and strife and struggle in my life. But sometimes God uses those moments in our lives to get us into a place where we're desperate for him where we're hungry for Him, and He begins to work out our character in our lives. He begins to transform us and to change us. Don't resist, friend, when God begins to lead you into uncertain territory. This was uncertain territory. When, when God begins to lead you into uncertain territory, don't resist when, God, when God's leading. I promise you that if God's leading you and it seems uncomfortable and it seems a little challenging, don't resist the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't quench the presence of the Lord in your life. There's something special if you'll just go out into the wilderness with Jesus. If you'll just go out with the Holy Spirit into the uncertain territory, there's great things on the horizon for you. There's suddenly moments for you. And in those days he ate nothing and afterwards when he had ended he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, 
You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. (laughs) Very true. The devil is always waiting. The devil will always cash in. Let me say this. I'm just going to, I'm going to make a pause here and say this. The devil will cash in on your sin when it cost heaven the most. If you think that living in compromise and sin in your life, that you can get away with that and it's no big deal, I'm telling you there's a day where the devil is looking for an opportune time and he'll cash in and deposit that check of sin that you've been sowing and he'll cash in when it costs you the greatest amount of tragedy and trouble and those around you who are watching you and your example the most tragedy and trouble. Don't live in compromise, friend. Don't live in sin. If you're allowing sin in your home, my prayer for you, Last night I was here preparing for today and praying for today. And I found myself praying, God, if there are those in our church who have sin in their home, there's compromise in their home, and I don't know who this is for, but I'm going to tell you what I've been praying for you. God, if there's those in our church that have sin in their home, there's compromise in their home, they're allowing gossip and backbiting, or they're cheating on their wives or their spouses, whatever the case is, God, I pray that you would allow your presence to become so thick in that home, so real, so vibrant in that home, that they'll be so convicted of their sin that the compromise has got to go. That's what, that's, I'm telling you, that's what will transform North Hill. I'm telling you, it's not another social agenda. It's the presence of the Lord invading the homes that are around us. It will change and convict people of their sin. And I pray that you have, if that's you, I pray that you get home today and you have a suddenly moment with God in your home. <laughs> that you won't, you won't be able to live in compromise anymore. Don't give the devil an opportune time in your life, friend. Verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went through all the surrounding region. A couple of things I want to point out here, and I'll, I'll wrap up after this. A couple things just to point out. First off, the devil says to him, if you, if you are the Son of God, command these stones. He's talking about provision and sustenance here. How many of you know that we, we want to take care of ourselves? We want to try to fix it ourselves a lot of times. We want to make sure that we're taken care of, that our needs are met. And Jesus' response to this was, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Stop trying to fix it on your own. Stop trying to do it on your own. Enter into a place of prayer. Hear the word of the Lord for yourself. What's going to fix your situation, what's going to fix your circumstance is that you hear the word of God for your life. That's what's going to sustain you. If you try to do it on your own, fix it on your own, bring in the lost family, friend, whatever, on your own, you're going to find yourself in an opportune season for the devil. You're going to find yourself in an opportune place for the devil to wreak havoc. Begin to rest and rely on the word of God. It says, then the devil took him up to high mountain. Showed him all these things, that you can have all these things, riches and fame and fortune. I, you know, I'd love to have riches and fame and fortune. It's in our natural. Don't, don't look at me and tell me that you don't want those things. <laughs> Who wouldn't want a million dollars in the bank? Who wouldn't want all those things? It's the, natural, it's the natural man. Our natural man wants those things. We want the fame. We want, uh, Martin Luther used to say there's an evil monk on, on the inside of all of us. <laughs> We all have a little evil monk on the inside of us that wants our name and lights and the great things and all that. But that's not what God's called us to. Jesus' response says, you shall worship the Lord your God only. Now, Jesus didn't respond to the riches or fame. Why? He's, what you worship is what you become. 
If you worship God, authority flows. If you worship God, blessing flows. Jesus addressed the heart of the matter. If you'll worship God, the riches, the fame, the fortune, the blessing, all of those things, I'll take care of. We took a look at Jacob a couple weeks ago. Jacob wanted Rachel. He, was, he did everything he could to marry Rachel. And then he finds out, oh, guess what? Sorry, your, your marriage night, your wedding night, that wasn't Rachel. That was Leah. You know, major wake-up call. Oh, what happened? You know, now he's got to work seven more years for Rachel. God will, God will reward you. He will bless you. He'll give you the things that, you, that your desires. He'll give you the desires. But at the end of Jacob's life, who did he want to be buried by? It wasn't the good-looking person. It wasn't the one that he cried about because she was so beautiful. It was the one that he went through hell with and learned about who he really was in God. It was the one that he went through all the struggles of life with. He said, bury me next to Leah. Don't worry about Rachel. I want to be buried next to Leah. And I want to say to you the same thing. Stop worshiping your circumstance. Stop worshiping the situation that you're in. When you begin to magnify your... Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Pastor Zach did this. He said that. Our church that. This, that, or the other. Whatever. You're magnifying your problem instead of magnifying the Creator. Stop magnifying that. The reason that you keep living in turmoil and strife and struggle is because you worship what you become what you worship. So if you're worshiping the problem, the problem becomes magnified. I love flying. I love to fly. And how many of you know when you, when you take off, everything on the ground is about the same size you are, but once you get up 30,000 feet, everything's little specks in the ground. That's what magnifying the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's what magnification is. It's taking the focus off that little bitty semi that's down beneath you. When you were standing next to that semi, it looked pretty big, but when you begin to worship the Lord, you begin to soar and have eagle's eyes, and you begin to see as eagles see and soar with the eagles. No longer, ah, that's a small problem. God can fix that. That's just just a little molehill, and then all of a sudden you find yourself speaking to the molehill. Molehill, you got to go. I don't need to deal with you. You can just get out of the way. Be cast in the sea. I don't need to deal with that. Why? Because then faith is produced in your heart because you've been spending time with the Lord. You've been praying. You've been in that secret place with God. You're, you're soaring. You're magnifying God and not your issue. And all of a sudden, faith is stirring your heart over that situation. I no longer need to worry about that. God's got it under control. Worship God. Worship Him only. And then the devil says, throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. Jesus said, you'll not tempt the Lord your God. This is in reference to His power and His authority. You have authority, Jesus. You have power. You rule. You, just, you throw yourself down and they'll have to come get you. They'll have to save you. And it says, don't tempt. In other words, God is not given in to sin. God does not is not one that he should be tempted. Psalms 24, if you'll flip over there, let me give you a scripture for this. Psalms 24. This is, I don't know if it's in one of the devotions we've already had. I know it's in the book because it's there, but I don't know if you've had it yet. But who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. 
and righteousness from God of his salvation. Verse 6, I love. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek your face, who seek him. Not seeking his, his rewards, but seeking his face. It's not seeking the, the hand of God to move in great miracles, and although God does those things, but he does it as a result of our desperation for him, not desperation for his works. We're desperate for him, not desperate for his works. We press into his presence, not what, not what he can do. You know, if Heather came home and said, you know, I love you, Zach, I love you for, you, you mowed the grass, you did this, you did that, and you took care of Zoe, you, you know, you took care of the dog, you did, you blah, 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 blah. Now, even though acts of service may be my love language, those of you that have read the book, that, and if you haven't, it's probably available at the Resource Center. I've got to give a plug for the Resource Center. Now, if she did that, that may be my love language, but I want my wife to say, Honey, I love you just for who you are. I want to spend time with you just for who you are. Thank you for doing all those things, but I really love you just for you. And yet we give God, God, I love you if you'll do this. God, I love you if you'll do this. No, no. When you begin to press into the presence of the Lord, it's intimacy with God. You begin to have a revelation of the word of God for your life. He begins to make those. And, and when you come in, what was the suddenly moment here? What was the suddenly moment in Jesus? He was facing temptation and sin. He was facing temptation and sin. When you press into prayer and you hear the word of God, it brings victory over sin and temptation. In James, if you have your Bibles, I'll wrap up with the scripture. Grace, y'all can come on back. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. When you're pressing into prayer... And pressing into God through prayer, when you're praying in the Spirit, it's really hard to live in sin. It's really hard to give in to evil desires when you're praying. It's really hard to look at things on the computer you shouldn't be looking at when you're praying. It's really hard to say the ugly things that you're, is in your heart that you really want to say when you're praying. It's really hard to be mean-spirited when you're praying in the Spirit and pressing into God. Why? Because you're putting on Christ. You're hearing the word of the Lord. You're not giving in to your evil desires. Y'all have them. We all do. Don't act like you don't have evil desires. Everyone in this room has one of those things lingering around there somewhere. Someone cuts you off in traffic, you want to show them some good sign language. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you do, you know what your issue is. Pray. Pray. Press into God. Press into God. Suddenlies are coming. I have about four or five more that were in my notes. We could stay here till six o'clock tonight and we'll just switch over to evangelism explosion at six if y'all want. I won't do that, but we'll, we'll pick up next week on suddenly moments, but suddenlies are on the horizon. I believe that God is going to do something so special in your life as you're praying, as you're yielding to him, as you're pressing into prayer, that you are gonna find yourself 
going through life, doing the normal things, and you're going to be presented with a suddenly out of the blue, prompt acting of God in your behalf. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.